0: so, God, I pray that if we are not redeemed, that today's the day. Amen, church? Amen. Have a seat. The story of Ruth is where we're starting today. We're going to be there for three weeks. Originally, I said four. I'm allowed to change my mind. I'm in charge. So it's three. And we're going to do three because uh, Mother's Day is, would have been the fourth week. I was going to preach Ruth four. I know you guys super are into why, aren't you? I wonder why. I wonder why I did that. Because I know you're following along as close as I do. Uh, I want to preach a Mother's Day sermon. I've never done that before. It'll be fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it'll, you know, crash and burn. And also, that's a way for me to tell the guys just now. Mother's Day is in four weeks! So, uh, perk up. Story of Ruth sits in the time period of the Judges, which if you're new to our church for the last two weeks, we've been in the book of Judges For a while, since it was cold outside, and now it's getting a little warmer, and we'll be in there until we're all complaining about the heat, okay? That's how long we'll be in Judges. But we're taking a little four-week, excuse me, three-week excursions out of the book of Judges to talk about this awesome person in the Old Testament that sets up the Redeemer story for us, and her name is Ruth. That's the title of the book. This book declares this over and over and over. Redemption is possible say that with me redemption is possible you ready for a little i got some trivia questions for you you guys into trivia that's not one of them ruth has a first time biblical word occurrence meaning there's a word that occurs in ruth that if you're reading through the bible it occurs here first anybody know what it is hope it's the word hope and later in a moment when i read the verse that says hope i want you all to go crazy okay I'm not going to remind you. I'm not going to remind you. It'll be like 10 minutes from now. I'm not going to remind you. I want you to go crazy when you hear the word hope. We all agree to do it? All right. So if one of you catches it and the other 300 doesn't, you got to go hard. Okay? just commit to it all right i might give you a little tick all right english speakers so people that are grew up in the western world that doesn't necessarily mean english is your first language i'm just saying when you read the bible in, or, and or spanish speakers would do this too saeed they would see the word hope and they would think of it like this i hope see if this sounds familiar i hope we have steak for dinner right anybody how about this i hope the phillies win those sorts of things. I hope the Sixers play the Hawks because we got bad juju with the Celtics, right? Those sort of things. We say we hope this happens because we're not sure. But a Hebrew speaker, the people that would have been living in the time of Ruth, and really most of the Bible, is Israelites, they didn't use the word hope like that. They used the word hope like this. I am sure this is going to happen, so I'm going to look forward to it. Do you see the difference? It is with that that I know and I can have hope of what is about to happen. And so because we have hope, it reshapes our entire life. So let's vote. Which type of hope is better? The fingers crossed type or the hope for sure type? Vote now. A or B? B. Thank you. Good. Some of you said A because I think you got confused. All right. Did I mess it up? It was nice. Okay, good, good, good. So the book of Ruth is like, somebody says like, you know, I'm just not good at taking tests. Well, but you got to take the test, you know, I'm sorry. It's like the way it's set up. So the book of Ruth is about hope and redemption. We could even say it's about hope for redemption. And now we know what hope means. So do we have to have our fingers crossed? Like, oh, I hope he sends a redeemer. No, we know he sends a redeemer. Now we're sitting in a position. We actually know what happens. All of you have had a copy of Ruth probably your whole life. You know what happens. You know what happens in Revelation. You know what's happened in the last 2,000 years. They didn't know that. So this takes place in that period of Judges, which is like 450 years. And you may remember Judges tells the story right after Joshua, where he basically says, if you don't stay faithful to the one true God and you follow other gods, will it be good or bad? bad. And they voted, let's do that. Let's go with bad. Maybe it was an accident, Danielle. Maybe they didn't mean to, you know, but, but, and they get in this cycle of disobedience, idolatry, enslavement, repentance, deliverance. And the story of Ruth takes place in one of those cycles. It actually takes place probably uh, in the story of Samson. If you really want to know the timeline, we haven't gotten there yet in our teaching series, but it's probably around that time period, just for those of you that like to know those things. And so we have this character or this person named Ruth. Here's your next trivia question. Ruth is one of five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Can you name them? Ruth. Rahab. Tamar. Tamar the wife of Uriah, whose name is Bathsheba, and it's the easiest one. Mary, Mary. okay. It's so easy. Uh, Probably Jesus' mom? That seems too easy. Yes, five. There are only two books in the Bible that are named after women. Do you know what they are? Ruth and Esther, Esther. thank you. You're so, like, dedicated now. You're like, I'm going to get everything right. 100% from here on out. The name of Ruth means this, and this is important. It means friendship and it means compassion. Who would like to have a friend that is friendly and compassionate? Compassionate friendship. She is devoted to God's purposes, and you'll see she is very sweet. She's very sweet. She's very godly. She's a young woman that even though she's gonna face a lot of hardship in our three-week journey, she stays compassionate for the Lord. Ruth is the only book in the Old Testament that's named after a non-Jewish person. Ruth was not Jewish. She was a Gentile. Specifically, a Moabite. And if you want to put a pin in that, that plays a huge, huge role. New Testament has a book written, uh, named after a Gentile as well. Anybody know who it (laughs) is? Last trivia question, I promise. It's probably Luke. Some say, well, I think he's a Hellenistic Jew. Okay, fine, I don't care. What is Ruth about? Hope and redemption. The story is an incredible foreshadowing. Incredible foreshadowing of Jesus and his redemption. Are you tired of this word redeemer yet? Don't be. I'm giving you the whole book in one sentence. Stick a mental pin in this. This entire book, yes, it's a love story. Yes, it's historical data, but it is a foreshadowing of Jesus and the church. The story of Ruth. Here it is. You ready? So if you miss the next two weeks, here's the whole book of Ruth. It's uh, a man from Bethlehem redeems a Gentile bride, brings a Gentile bride into himself, redeems her, and if that's a picture of Jesus in the church. That's it. That's the whole book. You ready to get into it? Ruth 1? Going to talk through chapter 1, give you two thoughts at the end. Ready? In the days when the judges ruled... So you're like, yeah, we already knew that. You just told us that. In the days when the judges ruled... There was famine in the land. You guys know what famine is? Famine's a biblical. If you grew up in church, you know what a famine is. It's like you grew up thinking famines just were pretty common, and they are. We don't hear about them so much now, but if you read the Old Testament, they're all the time. It means there's no food. People are going hungry. So there's famine in the land, and and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. That means he went over there to live. He and his wife and his two sons. Don't forget about the cycle, guys. The land is supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. It's supposed to be filled with food. It's supposed to be giant on stock day, okay? It's supposed to have everything you want, not out of anything. You spend your life following other gods, though. Don't be surprised. When it doesn't work out. I just throw that one in there for you? Do you know how many people I talk with? And you do too. Their life's a wreck. And you start getting into it a little bit. And you're like, oh, it's because you follow other gods. Remember what Joshua said? Follow the one true God. If you don't, good or bad. Bad. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion. And they were Epaphrathites, I guess, from Bethlehem in Judah. Very important. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. Now, I want to consider these names, not just because they're interesting, but because they mean something. Uh, The Bible is very interesting when it names people. Now, the Bible isn't naming them or families name them. But culturally, and maybe some of you have this in your culture, you name your kids based on something. Maybe some of you are probably named after your father or mother. Anybody in here named after their father or mother or maybe their grandmother? So it means something to the namers. Bible names, sometimes they're strange. Sometimes they're funny. Maybe just to me, but they're funny. And at times they're very unfortunate. <laughs> People would name their children in those days culturally based on several things. But the main things are this. Their convictions, thoughts, and beliefs at the time of birth. We believe this. We want this to happen with our son or daughter. They would also name them based on the condition in which childbirth took place. Elimelech, great name. Do you know what his name means? It means uh, my God is king. So imagine him walking in a room. Hey, I'm my God is king. Good to meet you. Oh, great to meet you too. Wherever you would go, he would say, Hi, my name is God is my king. It's great. Now, he wasn't living like that. His, his dad must have thought he would, but he wasn't living like that. He wasn't living up to his name because if God is your king, why aren't you trusting God and staying in Bethlehem? Why are you leaving the land? Well, there's a famine. I'm going to go find something else to do that's maybe better than the promise that God gave us. So he goes to Moab. He, takes, he leaves and takes his wife Naomi. Do you know what Naomi's name means? Pleasant. Pleasant. Hi, my name is, God is my king. This is my wife, Pleasant. It's wonderful. It's a great name. They rested there. They resettled. They started a family. And they named their kids, for some reason, not good names. Melon means, <laughs> this is so weird, which it means sickly. Yeah, same reaction when I first read it. Chilion means weeping and crying. So literally, you invite them over to dinner. Hey, my name is God is my king. This is my wife, Pleasant. This is always has a cold, and this is (laughs) crybaby. It's like, what is going on? Like, why would you do that? But it says, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, he dies. And she was left with her two sons. And these two Moabite, they took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, which means fawn. And the name of the other was Ruth, which you know means friendship and companion. And they lived there for how long? Ten years. And both the sons died. So that the woman or woman was left without her sons and without her husbands. Husbands, excuse me. You say, That's awful. Man, they went to Moab thinking, this is going to be a better life. We're going to start something new. It didn't work out. Her only family that is still with her at this point are who? Her two daughters-in-law. So she rose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab, they're farmers, they're they're gatherers. uh, That plays a huge role that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So oh, the cycle back home must be on the uptick. Let's get back home. Aside from Elimelech and his name, meaning God, God is my king, this is the first time in Ruth, six verses in, that we see or read the word Lord God, Yahweh. It's just now appearing. Is Naomi beginning to remember who she is? Do you guys, maybe some of you who were believers at a young age and then you ran from God, anybody do that? And then you start to remember who God is and you start to want that back a little bit. Not just because there's no famine there, but you start to realize how bad you have it and how these other gods aren't exactly doing it like you thought they would. Maybe that's what's going on with Naomi. Maybe she's beginning to remember, hey, God is good. God is merciful. God is loving. God is provider. God made promises. And I hear that the famine has lifted. And they got two big needs, isn't it? Food and family. And so in verse 7, it says, she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now, that is very interesting to me. She goes on the main road. Isn't that something, man? She probably goes on the same road back that she left. She just turned around, little about face. That's a beautiful picture of repentance, by the way. No matter what road you left on, you can always come back to God. You know that, right? Some of you who walked with God at an early age or maybe five years ago, and then, man, I'm giving up. I'm gonna go chase some other gods. And you, you walked on that road. And how, how far did you get before you turned around. How bad does it have to get? That's a beautiful picture of repentance. I mean, you know, repentance means to turn around. Yes, it means to ask forgiveness. Yes, it means to be forgiven. We pray that if we will pray it today, but repentance means I am turning around. I am, I'm going to do a 180. And this is what they did. They came into Moab, and now she's turning around and going back to the land that God gave her and her family. I'm going home. And let me tell you, that is always the quickest way back to God, to turn around. I hear you right now. Some of you, you're like, hey, hopefully someday I can raise my hand and say, I was walking away from God, but then I came back to him. But I just feel right now, today, I am too far. You're not. Do you know how many steps back you have to make? One literally and like not even a real step it's just a turnaround you just got to turn around you say well i don't know man Uh, i i have really wandered off the path i'm very far away i it doesn't matter you can turn around at any point you're never further than a 180 degree turn from the lord but naomi said to her two daughters-in-law Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Here's what she's saying. I hope you find rest and get remarried. See you later. (laughs) That's what she's saying. That's what she's saying. Now, I want to hit pause here because this is, you may not know it, but what you're about to see here in just a second like in one verse, I think, let me see. Here. yeah, I want two you verses. You're going to see as if you were there, one of the most significant moments in history. You are, you're about to see that. Anybody a little keyed up for that? You pretty jazzed? because I'm, I can't wait to tell you. There's about to be something that happens in like three verses. Some of you are reading ahead. I like that. I like that. Like, I don't see it. You don't see it, do you? Something is about to happen that sets things into motion that cannot be undone. Something is about to happen that that is very difficult to describe with proper grandness. Do you see it? Doesn't it look like it? Just just three women out on a dirt road having a conversation. How is that so significant? Here's why. Naomi, I'm going to tell you, Naomi decides to go back home. Are any of you like, so? (laughs) So? Listen, certainly there's better, more important things happening in the world, right? I suppose we could, we could, if we stuck a pin in there, it's like, well, what's going on in the world or not? Greece is, is just getting ready to come on the scene. The golden age of Greece is upon us. If you you, know, you sweep your Google map over to Central America, South America, you got the Mayan dynasty that is about to just rock some worlds over there. So so why are you saying that what is occurring on this road is more monumental than any of those things? How could you say that? Well, here's, here's why. Because if this decisive moment doesn't play out, then you better tell the Magi, don't go to Bethlehem because the Magi come to Bethlehem because Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And Jesus gets born in Bethlehem because David, his ancestor, had been born in Bethlehem. And David was born in Bethlehem because his dad Jesse was born in Bethlehem. And Jesse was born in Bethlehem because his dad Obed was born in Bethlehem. And Obed was born in Bethlehem because Boaz and Ruth got married and had Obed. And Ruth never meets Boaz if Naomi doesn't go back home. This is a huge deal. This is a decisive moment that is playing out on the road somewhere in Moab. Those choices that you make in your life, those times that you hear and believe and obey and you think they are insignificant, don't ever believe that they are. Those little conversations that just happen that you think there is no eternal significance in this conversation, don't be so sure. Naomi, who I'm not putting her down in any way, she is a non-person. This is not a king. She's a person to us. She's a person to me. I'm saying historically, they weren't like trying to find stuff about her. She never ruled. She never owned much. Her husband died. She was left with two daughters-in-law and their kid, her kids died. She's a nobody. And she's having what is a very common conversation in this era And yet, this conversation sets into motion the Redeemer Jesus being born. Anybody like, oh yeah, that's a bigger deal than Greece. That's a bigger deal than the Sixers draw for the next. (laughs) The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She's trying to talk him out of it. She didn't know what's coming, right? Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we'll return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters, right? Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb and that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. You will see later that her name Pleasant will change. If I should say I have hope. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me now I don't know about you all that build up and you're like why the back and forth is this just custom maybe maybe a little bit is this like when someone you're at someone's house and you really want seconds but you're not sure how to ask for it but you know you got to do a little back and forth first like no 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 I've had enough no please have it no 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 I've had enough no please there's plenty no 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 I've had enough please eat okay I'll eat it is that what's going on is that what's happening like maybe does she not want them to come back to Bethlehem with her? I think she does, but I think she knows the culture there is not going to be great for them. I think she knows that. And I think she knows the way they left. Listen, we didn't just like go out in the middle of the night. We went to Moab. Naomi and Elimelech, we left. We walked out of the promised land. You ever stormed out of a room? Anybody? Come on, be honest. You ever stormed out of a room? All right, have you ever had to go back to that room? Yeah, do you go in the same way you went out? No, you don't. You don't, do you? You're like, hey, I left my keys. <laughs> yeah, you could just get them. And how about this? You ever, you ever have a grand plan, you leave and it's a disaster and everybody told you it was going to be? They had kids and their kids married Moabite women, which isn't going to be taken very kindly when we get back home. We did everything we weren't supposed to do. You guys can't come with me back there. She's basically saying, if you're going to follow me on this road, you're going to have to count the cost. I told you, this is a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of the Redeemer. And being a widow is tough in any generation. We have widows and widows in our church. It is tough. It is hard. It is very difficult. So take that into the ancient times where culture was such a huge part of this. It is is so difficult. So difficult. Especially if you were not an Israelite. Living in an Israelite culture. And especially if you were a foreign woman coming into that culture. Not easy. And Naomi knew that prejudice and was warning them. She's saying, you're walking into a cursed living. The Moabites, because I keep saying that, so maybe it'd be important here to say, why is it so bad? Here's why. The Moabites to an Israelite were cursed and all their They went all in on this kind of stuff, guys. Like if you did something when you were two, that, that was you. That was you for the rest of your life. He's a biter, he's 73. He's a biter, you know, like he's a biter. <laughs> Moab though, Moab, that entire culture, that entire group of people was a result of incest. Do you remember the story? Lot and Lot's daughters, they got their dad drunk, had sex with him, that's in the Bible. Genesis 19, one of the sons born was named what? You want to take a guess? It's Moab. That sort of stuck. I told you, names are important. People would hear Moab, and they would hear the story in their head. This is what you're walking into, ladies. You're a descendant of that. You're from that land. That is how everybody's going to see you. Even God himself in Psalm 108.9 roasts them. It says, Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my wash pot. That's garbage can. That's garbage can. It's like God is like roasting the Moabites. So Elimelech and Naomi, they left the promised land and went to live in garbage can land. That's what everybody thinks. Oh, now you're just going to come back. He's going to pick right back up where you left off. Naomi knows if you come from Israel and you go to a place called garbage can land, you're going to come back to Bethlehem as a widow bearing a stigma of having a husband who did not follow the right God, left and went to garbage can land. That husband died. Then you thought better. Now you're just going to roll back in. You remember the elder son the, and, and the prodigal son? That didn't work out for them either, did it? He wasn't too happy about it. So she says, I think it'd be better for you to just go back to your people. Go hang out there. Go follow their gods. And in verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, which basically is her saying, you're right, peace out, I'm done. This is over. We never hear from her again. But Ruth, what's it say? Clung to her. There's a lot of words that the writer could have used there, isn't it? Went along, decided it was better, clung to her she stayed she stayed and she said see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her god she's even even now still trying to talk her out of it go do what she did and i think ruth has had enough at this point orpah's returning to her her people her gods in particular kemosh c-h-e-m-o-s-h Chamosh, Kamosh, I don't know. A God who required sacrifice of children. There's a lot you can read about that in 2 Kings. But but Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. This is good, isn't it? It's one of the greatest little pieces of writing in all of literature. For some of you maybe have never read the Bible, you probably have heard that. At some point in your life, you've been made to read that. That is a steadfast commitment. Ruth isn't messing around. What is she saying? Where you go, what? Where you live, your people are. I will die where I'm making a total commitment. To follow your God. Do you hear the language in there? That's commitment. I like commitment. We kind of live in a culture and a society now that we don't commit. We're very noncommittal. I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean just involvement. We're very involved. We're just not super committed. You see the difference? I hope you do. Somebody like, I'm not sure if I want to commit my answer there. That's why. That's why. It's why when when we pray here, and hopefully you've heard this enough now in here, and sometimes when I do it in person, I I will say with someone who's coming to Jesus in faith, we're going to, someone last week in this service gave their life to Jesus right over here. Today they're going to be baptized right here. They're committed. They're committed. That's good. And what do we say? Do you know it? We say, be my Savior. Be my Lord. You are my God. I choose to follow you from this day forward. This is why I say that in those prayers. People are committing, this is Naomi, this is the picture of the church with Ruth. I am committing, you are my God. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Your people are my people. I will die where you die. I'm making a total commitment of my life to follow God. That is what becoming a believer is. That is why this is a picture of redemption. Because I am redeemed, I have a God who is my Lord and savior until I die. And then for eternity, Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. It says the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. That ain't good. And the women said, is this Naomi? And you know, it was in like a smarmy sort of, I read them. they knew it was her. And she said to them, do not, this is unbelievable. Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Basically, my name used to be Pleasant, now it's bitter. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. <laughs> well, that's a lie she believed, didn't it? We'd get into that one all day. You thought you were full when you left? Listen, I'll take empty and back over full and leaving. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Honestly, we could do a 10-part series on that verse. We're not gonna today, but she says, my name is Bitter. used to be pleasant. I changed it. Call me Bitter now. Good plan. Good intro. Nice. Maybe she's coming in groveling. I've done that. When you leave the room hot, you got to come in a little bit. You know, you can't just be as hot She's conscious of what God is doing in her life, that's true. But she's still, you know, very bitter towards God. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. In chapter 1, it's a cliffhanger, but it's intentional. That's the first chapter, a complete setup for the rest of the book and the rest of the Bible for that matter, because it's the greatest event in history. It's the birth of Jesus and the redemption of all of us. That's going to be super key in a few weeks. Like when you hear how this works out in Rev. Oh, I told you. <laughs> so, what are we supposed to take away? Two things. Two things. One is this you ready? Never forget who is for you. If Ruth, there is a redeemer, never forget who is for you. Do you ever forget that God is for you? That when God makes promises, he keeps them? Naomi got something right. She she knows who God is. She got that part right. She's just forgotten how he operates. She's forgotten how he operates. She was blind to the fact that, that God as almighty, as the Lord... Does indeed control all things. But he is also the God who brings blessing out of brokenness. And joy out of sorrow. Romans 8. And Paul would write on, not on Ruth, but I think he knew the story. He says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And later he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, do you guys know the rest? Who, how quickly we forget who God is. Some of you, I don't know, the, the, the biggest takeaway might be this. I need to repent. For some of you, maybe it was encouraging to see hands go up of people who, you know, them. they're following Jesus. Were you telling me there was a time when you were in Moab? You were always like this. Oh, no, 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 no. You may feel like you're a mile away from God. You're not. You're how far? 180 degrees. You're a turn. He is for you. Number two, very similar to number one, but you'll see the difference. Never forget who is with you. Throw out the fact that Naomi doesn't even talk to Ruth in those last verses. That's not important. That she has someone who is really going to show her some things, right? She indeed forgets who is with her. Who did she forget was with her? Just in case we're not all tracking here. It's God. God is with her. Do you ever do that? Do you ever forget that God is with you? Do you ever think you're in this alone? Do you ever walk into a room and say, God has dealt poorly with me. Call me bitter. I want to see that at some CGs this week. I want to hear some reports. Do you you think you're just out here alone, just doing this thing on your own? Do you ever forget God is with you and God gave you a local church and gave you a community group or gave you a a small group on Thursday night if you're a student or elementary? Do do you forget those things? Or do you think you're just isolated on this island and it's your job to just make it happen? Maybe you're getting a little bitter towards God. You ever done that? You ever got a little bitter towards God? You think that, you you ever say something like this, God, you caused my situation. You ready to hear, hear something, some truth real quick? Maybe he did. I said it. Maybe he did. Maybe he did cause your situation. Might be that God is giving you exactly what you wanted. A home away from him. You ever feel that way? Oh my, yes. Don't ever forget though. He is for you. He is with you. He is for you and with you. I love what the psalmist says in 30. He says, for his anger is but for what? A moment. His anger is but for what? A moment. And his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Could that verse categorize where you are right now? You're in that moment moment. God's mad at me. You know what? Maybe he is. Maybe because he told you what he told all of them in Joshua. If you follow other gods, it's going to go bad. Ah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not for me. Okay. Let's see where this goes. Some of you right now, man, you're counting the cost. You're thinking it through. You say, can I really afford this? Let me ask you this. We don't ever hardly ask it this way. While you're counting the cost of what it's going to cost you to follow God, while you're adding that up in your head, while you're doing some figuring on that, can you work in what it's going to cost you to not step back towards him? Can you work that into your equation? If it costs me this to follow him, what will it cost me not to follow him? Can I tell you the answer is the same? It's one of the greatest problems ever. It's got the same answer. You come to the same conclusion. What will it cost me to follow God? Do you know the answer? Everything. It'll cost you everything. What will it cost me to not follow him? Everything. It'll cost me everything. Which one gives me gain? Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Where you die, I will die. When I follow God, I gain everything. Every single time in my life, when I have turned thinking I know a better way, it has cost me everything and I've gained nothing. There may be weeping, But in the morning comes the joy. The Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. God sent his son Jesus to redeem us. It says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You get everything. The old you is gone. A new has come. As our worship team comes up, there may be some of you right now. You say, man, oh, man, I want to go this way, but I'm really being pulled. Here's what you need to do. Can I just tell you? You need to stop and listen. Hear him, believe him, obey him. You say you need a fresh start. I agree. You say, I don't know how I got into this situation. Well, you know, God can get you through it. And it may be for you so as we just close right now, I'd like you just just to close our eyes, bow our heads. We're going to pray to the almighty God. Father, I know there's people here may have been walking with God a long time, but they're running from him. And I pray in this moment they would turn 180 degrees, follow you. Father, they're also very likely, whether it's online or in this room, people who have never received your redemption, your salvation. And they've counted the cost, and they've determined it's worth it. And so, God, under your total authority, I'm going to invite people to give their life to Christ right now to be redeemed. And if you'd like to do that, I'm not going to make you do anything kooky. In fact, I'm not going to make you do anything. I can't make you do anything but you pray this with me. It should sound very familiar from a few moments ago. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. This is part of your repentance. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you came for me. You died on the cross. You were buried in a tomb. You rose to live for me. Come into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. You are my God. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Amen.